Good morning, everyone. Welcome into the SEC Morning Report. I am Blaine Gilmer. It is a What If Wednesday here on the SEC Morning Report on Southeastern 14, your home for daily SEC coverage. That's football, basketball, baseball, all of the SEC action you could want. It's right here. So like, subscribe, turn on notifications. Have a lot of exciting things going on, guys. We've partnered with the Believe Network, and you need to make sure you're not only following us here and liking and subscribing here, but also if you like the podcast version of things, you can get podcasts everywhere that there is Apple Podcasts, Spotify, all that kind of good stuff over there to get the audio version of stuff. And guys, make sure you hit up caroline.smith at Southeastern 14 if you want to partner with the Southeastern 14 channel here and do some advertising. Speaking of advertising, guys, we are presented by Bet Online, the major pro sports league. The last one has kicked off. The NBA season is going. So all the major sports leagues kind of going on at the same time. The MLB is finishing up. Of course, the NBA has started. The NFL and college football are both in full swing. NHL, who knows when NHL starts or begins, but you can bet on it with Bet Online. Uh, guys, Bet Online is your number one source for wagering news, odds, trends, and predictions. Get everything NBA and all major sports at your fingertips with a desktop and mobile app. Uh, access any sport, anytime. Uh, Head over to Bet Online today and get in on the action. Don't forget to use the promo code Believe, our new partner uh, network they were partnering with, Believe, B L E A V, to receive your 50% welcome bonus on your first deposit. Bet Online, where the game starts. And we're going to start with the game that everybody wants to hear about. This week, there's actually two of them, but I'll start in in chronological order of those. So we'll talk about uh, Missouri and Georgia. Georgia, of course, depending on where you look at this one, anywhere from a 15 and a half to a 16 and a half point favorite uh, still in Vegas's eyes, even as we move throughout the week here. So by Vegas's definition, a Missouri win would be quite the upset. Um, so. Today, on a What If Wednesday, we're going to look at how would that happen, okay? Uh, I think when you're talking about going on the road to Athens, there's there's some key things that would have to happen to end Georgia's 25-game win streak, okay? The last time Georgia lost a, a home game like that and, and the way that the fashion that it would have to go down a Will Muschamp team back back in you know 2018 comes to mind uh, from South Carolina. Will Muschamp now on Georgia's staff as a as a defensive coordinator. Him and him and Glenn Schumann co defensive coordinator. So the thing is, what happened in that game was, hey, you had Georgia losing because they turned the ball over. Uh, not only just for, not only turned the ball over, but the team scored on those turnovers, pick sixes, uh, had some had some special team miscues. So I think if you're Missouri, what you're going to have to do is you're going to have to take those two corners that are very, very good, uh, Enos Rakestraw, uh, Chris Abrams-Drain. They are. They're, they're extremely good corners. I remember Georgia recruited Enos Rakestraw quite, quite hard, uh, wanted to get him in their, in their program. 
and they're going to have to be a little bit ultra aggressive. It sometimes I think it's going to have to be okay. They're going to have to try to jump a route here and there and see if they can see if they can come up with a with a pick six or with a big momentum turnover. They're going to have to create a couple turnovers in this game if they are going to to win the football game, in my opinion. So I think Missouri needs to be plus two. Uh, probably in the turnover battle, and then when they when they get down into Georgia's red zone opportunity on offense, I think it's pretty much four down territory uh, every time. Like put the pressure on Georgia to actually make a stop. Uh, if it's third and three, um, and you know, I, and I'm Eli Drinkwitz, I'm saying okay, I got two downs here to make three yards and put the onus on Georgia to stop you because field goals are not going to win you the game in Athens. Okay. Uh, this Georgia offense is, is different. Missouri's best, Missouri's best, uh, side of the ball is their offense. I don't think the defense has played up to the standard that most Missouri fans would like this year. There's been too many ups and downs when you, you came into the year thinking that the defense was going to be the, the kind of the standard and maybe one of the better ones in the entire league. I think there's been some lapses at times this year defensively um they've got so much so many seniors so many so many guys that are returning starters over there it has been a little bit of a shock to see them struggle in certain ways I believe they're ninth in the in the conference and pass and pass defense they are fifth in rush defense so it'll be interesting to see if georgia will be able to run the football consistently on missouri that's another way to create an upset if you're missouri be able to stop the run. But the problem is Georgia has so many weapons, including the weapon that was the leading receiver for Missouri last year, Dominic Lovett, who started to emerge, Lad McConkey, what he's done. So if you're Missouri, you have to, I think, be aggressive when anytime you're in t- inside of Georgia's territory, particularly uh, in the plus 30, definitely in the red zone, I think it's four down territory. You go down, you go down for it every time. I don't think you have to take take field goals. You're trying to make them stop you, especially with Georgia when they have allowed people in the red zone. They've had issues preventing touchdowns. So I think you got to be aggressive there. I think you got to play real tight, aggressive coverage with with Enos Rakestraw and Chris Abrams Drain. Like I said, create some turnovers that way. Find a way to get pressure on Georgia. Can you rattle Carson Beck? Because Georgia has only given up six sacks on the year. Um, but those are three keys that I would say you have to do if you're Missouri to be able to create an upset, create an environment where an upset could possibly happen uh, in this in this matchup. I also think they're going to need a, a great game out of Cody Schrader. Um, I think that running game, sometimes Georgia – with gap responsibilities, loses contain on the edge. And if they can get some of the perimeter run going or maybe even extension run game, whether it's Luther Burden on screens or things like that um, out wide and make Georgia miss a tackle in space, it happened early in the South Carolina game where they missed one on Juice Wells and he took it for a touchdown. So, you know, we'll see. We'll see what happens there with Missouri. But make no mistake about it. Missouri's a team that's capable of doing these things. They haven't done some of these things consistently. Okay. That's why there's, that's why no team is perfect, right? There's things Georgia hasn't done consistently either. Um, but we all know that when you're going on the road to Athens 
um, it is a tough environment to be able to to walk into and, and win, especially with what Georgia has been doing here recently, the confidence they've gained, things like that. So I don't think Missouri has to do anything uh, – abnormal anything they're incapable of i just think they've got to do some things that maybe they haven't done more consistently okay i think they need to be able to go down and convert uh in on third downs at a little bit higher rate i think they need to um if they if they don't convert they need to be more aggressive like i said in the red zone because georgia's red zone was and they're going to have to be pretty aggressive defensively a lot of times they'll sit there in that even front on defense and they don't have to blitz a lot that place just play solid but I think they're gonna have to mix things up a little bit and give Carson Beck some different looks in this game to slow down Georgia's offense and then I think Missouri's offense is really their their best weapon in this game being able to uh, try to methodically go down the field and then see if they can hit some hit some explosives with Luther Burden from time to time in this game and hope that that they'll be able to run the football. Uh, my my gut feeling is is that they won't be able to run the football and Brady Cook's going to be uh, dropping back and slinging it a, a good bit. Now, I do think that you're going to see quick throws here in this game from Brady Cook and Carson Beck. I don't think either one is going to be holding on to it uh, tremendously long both of them under two and a half seconds when it comes to their average time of release. So these, these are guys who they know where they're going with the football and they tend to be able to get it out of there. Now, small little what if on Georgia's side, what if Georgia is now deeper than they've been this entire year because they've had to play with injuries at offensive tackle, at offensive guard, and now they're starting to get some of those bodies back whether Amarius Mims could play this week or not. Xavier Trust is there. Xavier Trust can also go back to guard. Dylan Fairchild has gotten time at guard. Micah Morris has been able to play some this year. So Georgia, where they started out maybe, you know, really truthfully only wanting to play about six, maybe seven guys, have eight or nine now available at offensive line that have experience and have played. So what if they're more prepared for moments like this and, and they're more prepared for a stretch run? What if? Guys like uh, Dominic Lovett, Ladd McConkey, Rob Rod Thomas now are getting a little boost of confidence, getting that ball coming their their way a little bit more, even with Brock Bowers out. Eventually, Brock Bowers is coming back. He's not he's not going to sit out the rest of the year. So if Georgia can navigate these next couple of games without him, what if that means that that Georgia now has confident guys to go around? Brock Bowers, and they know, okay, this is what we were able to do without 19. Now here's what happens. Here's what happened w with him. You got Oscar Depp and Lawson Lucky who are filling those shoes. And also, what if Carson Beck just is really as good as he's shown us that he has been this year? Guys, he's a 100-yard pace off, off the pace of what Caleb Williams put up last year uh, in his Heisman Trophy run. Uh, he's, he's on pace to finish the regular season with just under 3,700 yards, 21 touchdowns and six interceptions. Williams last year had just under 3,800 yards, 30, uh, 34 touchdowns, three interceptions. So he's not throwing as many touchdowns. Georgia does run quite a few, few of those in. But as far as yardage, Georgia is explosive. They're putting up a lot. And also, that's without Carson Beck having played a lot of fourth quarters in games as well. So I think Carson Beck has proven that he can play. 
I think it's going to be a struggle for the Missouri defense to prevent explosive, explosive plays down the field because I'm excited about this matchup between these two teams. So that's kind of the what ifs of of Georgia base and Missouri. You know, the other what if is what if Georgia's run game is just really getting going. Uh, that's going to be a big problem for um, for Missouri as well. Now the what ifs in LSU and Alabama. What if LSU jumps out early and Alabama has those spells where they go three and out and they're unable to they're unable to convert and they just they have some uh, some offensive frustration as they've had in spurts during during games whether it's the first half of the Tennessee game or you know whether it's the second half of the Arkansas game. If Alabama goes on a spurt like that, they could find themselves quickly down 14, 17, 21 points to LSU because LSU can score that quickly. This is going to have to be a game where Alabama matches uh, what LSU can do offensively. Now, I will say this. LSU has given up some sacks this year. Okay, uh, some of that's been because Jaden Daniels has held the football. Some of those were early, um, but they have given up some sacks this year, and that's going to be something that you have to that you have to look at. Um, you know, Alabama is going to be able to get after the passer. Now we know that LSU uh, has been able to get after the passer in years past. However, this year they are nowhere near what they need to be in terms of uh, creating havoc. Or getting after getting after the passer, making people uncomfortable. They are they are thirteenth in the SEC with only fourteen sacks. Guys, Alabama, of course, has given up thirty five. What if Alabama figures it out pass protection wise? And what if LSU can't get pressure on them? I don't necessarily see that happening. But if they do find some way to use uh, a running back, use a tight end. Um, you know, prevent Harold Perkins from getting back there to Jalen Milrow often, and he's able to have time to develop, uh, to let Burton, to let Bond find their way down the field. LSU has a ton of secondary guys out for this game. Um, you know, it's it's just kind of a walk and wounded over there on their defense a little bit, and that is that's a tough deal when you have an LSU team that has struggled to defend anyways when uh, when it comes when it comes to the the pass defense also in the running game at times you know Alabama is going to want to stop the stop the run so my question is what if Alabama is able to pass protect better than they have all year then you can have LSU being in trouble but also what if LSU is able just to get a couple of stops in a row what if they're able to prevent Alabama from, you know, taking any time off the clock with that run game. They stop them on early downs and then uh, rally to the ball and keep them just short on some key downs and and force them to punt the football because Saban's not going to, you know, he's not a big metrics guy. He's not going to go, uh, go for it every time. If they can do that early, it's going to be an opportunity, I think, for LSU to – race ahead a little bit in this ballgame? And then is Alabama built to come from behind against this type of team? I know against Tennessee, they were able to force enough stops, but against this type of team, can you afford to get down 14, 17 points? Again, 
that's tough to to imagine it being in Tuscaloosa, but this is a what if Wednesday, and we're talking about hey, what could happen between these two teams that would produce an outcome that most of us don't believe is going to happen. I believe Alabama uh, should win the football game, but we're looking at the the other side of the coin here. What could happen now? In order for that to happen, you've got uh, you've got uh, Zaire Alexander who's out. You've got Deuce Chestnut, of course, who's out. Um, you got Denver Harris, who's going to be out. Um, I mean, goodness gracious, uh, they, they've got a lot of lot of people out. Uh, Johnson is out at cornerback. I mean, they've got so many guys uh, out in that secondary that what if Alabama is able to reverse the script on LSU? Okay, what if they're able to have the more explosive offense early? What if they're able to uh, keep the ball out of Jaden Daniels' hands? Can LSU can LSU make the necessary adjustments? We'll see. We'll see right there. Um, but it, it certainly looks like an elite offense versus a very, very good borderline elite defense in this game. But when you when it comes down to it, guys, you have to look at all right. It's not about you're not playing other teams. You're not playing a stat sheet, okay, that have happened all throughout the year. It's in that 60 minutes. What adjustments are going to be made? How are you going to respond? Uh, I think what LSU has to be able to do is I wouldn't be I wouldn't even be shocked if, you know, you take the ball first in this game and try to say, okay, our offense is the best thing about our team. We're going to try to go out, set set the tempo early, see if we can take an early lead take the Alabama crowd out of it a little bit and then uh, and then try to try to get a stop. And if they're able to do that and then they go up by double digits with maybe a field goal or, or, or go up a, a two touchdowns on the second drive, I think that's your recipe for success and your recipe for, okay, this is how we try to go into Tuscaloosa and take care of business. But the problem for LSU is, is getting those stops. And we'll see if they're able to do that. Alabama does help you, like I said, at different times with that poor pass protection. Can LSU reverse trends? Those are the two big things. Can they reverse the trend of not getting sacks this year? Can they kind of unleash Harold Perkins, not worry about him being a quote-unquote elite linebacker, a uh, complete linebacker, and just put him over top of Caden Proctor and say, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to go to work and you're not going to stop me from getting to Jalen Milrow. That would be one thing I would like to see LSU try to do. Just try to take advantage of a mismatch, guys. That's a big deal. So what if LSU finds their pass rush? What if they're able to just slow Alabama's offense down often enough where that offense, their offense can in turn go and produce things. Because what one thing you don't want to do is you don't want to put all the pressure uh, on your offense to say, hey, okay, we're not going to be able to stop a Malik. You've got to go out there and score uh, every single time. I mean, I don't care how good your offense is. You can't, you can't do it that way. You've got to be able to play some complimentary football on the road. You got to give them credit at different times this year, LSU, even though their numbers are bad, they did in, in Columbia against Missouri. They were able to make a couple key stops when they needed to, force a couple turnovers. So I think, of course, always when you're on the road, as we talked about with Missouri and Georgia, LSU's going to have to find a way to turn the ball over. But I think that 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 pass rush, that the sacks created, they're like I said, 13th in the SEC. They have to be able to get after Jalen Milrow 
and kind of just reverse that trend and let let Harold Perkins, um, Mason Smith, all those guys just go out and play. Makai Wingo's had surgery, so he's not going to be available uh, in this game. So there are a lot of questions defensively, and I just wonder, okay, what if LSU shows up and is able to get a few stops here? That would be big. But you also have to wonder, what if Alabama uh, is able to run the football on LSU and just keep it away from Jaden Daniels and company and be methodical and shorten the game. Uh, that also would put a lot of pressure on every single possession that LSU would get and make it even more difficult. So I'm excited. It's going to be a, a hard fault matchup between these two. Uh, and I can't wait, can't wait to see it. Texas A&M uh, at Ole Miss, a noon kickoff. So only a three and a half point spread. I think everybody knows the amount of talent that Texas A&M have. Lane Kiffin sure as heck does. He was trolling Texas A&M with it all day in his press conference saying, you, know, you would think they would be the team that would be ranked in the top 10 uh, each of the last three years, like a reporter asked Lane Kiffin about being because uh, of all the talent that they have and things like that. But what if Texas A&M is able to slow down the run game of Quinshaw Junkins and Ulysses Bentley? Edrin Cooper, Walter Nolan, Shamar Turner, Shamar Stewart, all these guys playing great. They're able to uh, really force you to do things that you're not necessarily comfortable with. They're trying to make you one-dimensional. Uh, Jackson Dart at times when he has not had the benefit of the run game in his career um, has gotten a little erratic with the football. I think he's been much more mature, made much better decisions this year. Um, he's even alluded to, hey, Spencer, Sond Spencer Sanders has, has helped him uh, grow as a quarterback, a guy who played a lot of quarterback at Oklahoma State, helping him watch film and, and uh, you, know, you know, go through a game plan and things like that. So I think there, there is an element of maturity that has, uh, has come there. But this is going to be a moment where he's really going to be tested with a, a physical, very active defensive front uh, that – We'll see if Texas A&M can create some havoc in the backfield. They're one of the they they lead the SEC in sacks. They lead the SEC in tackles for a loss defensively. And listen, uh, for all the all the faults of Mac Johnson, whether it's fundamentally things like that, the dude is able to play tough on the road, and he has experience in road environments and SEC games and plenty of it. So I'm not saying Ole Miss is going to struggle to defend Texas A&M. But what if Texas A&M continues to pepper Evan Stewart and Anaya Smith with targets? What if they're even more creative in getting them the football, whether it's, it's you know, lining them up in the backfield, letting them run fly sweeps, uh, hitting them on a couple of deep balls, things like that. You know, Ole Miss is kind of a feast or famine defense a little bit. They'll get a lot of pressure, but they'll also give up a lot of big plays. So I think you there's going to be opportunities for Evan Stewart and Anaya Smith. You have to get the ball out of Max Johnson's hands as quickly as you possibly can. The offensive line for Texas A&M is the weakness there. Uh, they're not able to run the ball very effectively. At times, they allow a lot of pressure on Max. So I think if if the, the big what-ifs in this game is, what if Ole Miss can't run the football as effectively as they want to? How does Jackson Dart and that offense respond with the passing weapons and things like that? Because a lot of it is predicated off of the run game. And then two, uh, what if Texas A&M is able to 
is able to protect Max Johnson and they get the ball to their playmakers consistently, something they haven't done all year, not just uh, from not being able to, but they haven't, they haven't called it. They haven't called uh, opportunities to get them the football. They haven't designed a lot of plays to get them the football as often as, as needed to. And they finally got uh, 13 touches combined in the game last week against South Carolina. I think, I think Anaya Smith could have, close to that many touches by himself if I was the offensive coordinator. I mean, get him the football. The dude is explosive, and Evan Stewart needs his targets as well. But that would be your your recipe for an upset there if you were A&M. That's, that's kind of the what-ifs there in that game on this Wednesday. And then Arkansas going to Florida. Uh, Florida six-point favorite. How does Arkansas pull up the upset? What, what would have to happen uh, on this what if Wednesday, what would have to happen for Arkansas to be able to go down there to the swamp and pull things off? Well, one, they're going to have to do things differently offensively. What if they're able to move the pocket? What if they're able to get K.J. Jefferson uh, out on some naked bootlegs and things like that? What if they're able to run the football just a little bit better uh, than they have and get some of those things set up where he's on the move and he's not having to, to drop back and go through progressions. It's it's a, a, a true kind of run-pass option for K.J. Jefferson. What if he feels more comfortable with that and returns to, to the form that we've seen uh, in the past of K.J. Jefferson? That would be a big step towards a upset uh, type type effort uh, and environment there for, for Arkansas. The other one would be can – Arkansas pressure Graham Mertz the way that that Georgia did last week. Uh, Arkansas has Landon Jackson. Uh, they've got lots of guys across that front. They've got an aggressive style of defense coached by uh, Travis Williams, and you know they they've got some corners that I think can match up and play man to man coverage. Whether it's Dwight McGlothern, um, guys, other guys in that secondary for Arkansas that I think can match up with any of those those Florida receivers and kind of play some main coverage. I think they're going to have to bring pressure early, try to try to get Graham Mertz off of his spot, out of his rhythm. But I think the two things they're going to have to be is find some semblance of a run game. Kenny Guyton is going uh, on on offense. They're going to find some semblance of a run game. Kenny Guyton's going to have to get KJ Jefferson moving, not let him be a statue back there in the pocket. Even though Florida, I will say this, they don't do a great job of rushing the passer there last in the SEC with 11 sacks. It is going to be incumbent upon Arkansas to help that offensive line out that has struggled. Uh, even with Florida not being great at rushing the passer, they still have to find ways to move the pocket to give different looks maybe than Arkansas has shown a lot this year. And then defensively, like I said, um, got to find ways to, to get home on Graham Mertz and have pressure. Um, I think that Florida, uh, you know, their what if is, can they be better on third down? Uh, they, they've, they've only converted 33% of their third downs offensively this year. They're going to have to um, take advantage of that, that, that home crowd there and they want to make Arkansas's you know possessions as pressure packed as possible with that crowd noise behind them and things like that so the way that you do that is you extend drives you run the football well with Montreal Johnson and Trevor Etienne and you give yourself very convertible third downs so that you're able to produce go down get points do it in a methodical nature and then 
the the amount of times that Arkansas has the football is less and less, and it's louder and louder each time because the the Florida faithful, the Swamp fans down there will be loud, sensing, hey, blood's in the water. They can go after and get a win here. So those are kind of some what-ifs on both sides of that game. Guys, I hope that you've enjoyed this SEC morning report here on Southeastern 14 presented by Bet Online. Make sure to like, subscribe, turn on notifications. Thank you so much for tuning in, uh, and we will catch you guys next time to talk more SEC football right here on your home of for daily SEC sports coverage, Southeastern 14.